Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everybody. My name is Jacob Bolger, and I want to introduce you to my podcast, Burning Away Time. Burning Away Time is my professional thesis project for the University of Oregon, and for this project, I've done hours of research compiling different sources that tell the story of how wildfires have affected and will continue to affect our great state of Oregon. So a little bit of background about myself. I chose to do this project and focus on wildfires because I love the outdoors. I moved to Oregon when I was a freshman in college just to experience the Pacific Northwest because I'm originally from Boston. And so I kind of took a leap of faith and I came out here because the Pacific Northwest is sort of the bar, you would say, for outdoor um, experiences in the U.S. I think that between the forests, the coastline, the beaches, the mountains, etc., there's no no place that can beat it. And uh, I've had numerous good experiences over the past four years here. Um, I think I think where my love for the outdoors really sprung in Oregon was that I was approached by a few women in an environmental science club, um, and they tasked me with trying to help them save uh, the deforestation of this place called Thurston Hills, pretty close to the U of O campus. What they wanted me to do was kind of go out there and make a cool drone video, uh, just kind of showcasing like the beauty of the place so they can use that to save uh, the land from getting cut down. I think they were repurposing the land for apartment buildings. Um, and that kind of kind of sprung my interests in saving the um, the forests here in Oregon. Uh, so that's a little bit about me, and I think it's important to know who you're talking to because, you know, podcasts are pretty personal. It's just me and you right now, and I feel like knowing who I am can help the overall listening experience, uh, but I digress. This first episode will primarily consist of me explaining the current state of Oregon wildfire, uh, their preparedness, the overall risk that we face, and the overall information pertaining to the issue at hand. This is the only episode that will be me talking to you. However, from next episode on, I will share interviews with various members of the wildfire defense community and discuss how they go about their jobs in different organizations, such as the Oregon Department of Forestry, the Office of the Oregon State Fire Marshal, uh, Keep Oregon Green, and Dustbusters. For decades, forest fires have decimated the western United States and displaced thousands of people from their homes. Both man-made and natural forest fires are bound to occur each year, but for some reason, there's no preventing them. The problem with forest fires, assuming they're inevitable, is that people usually pay attention when they are going on, but not after they happen. They don't see the 2,000 residents displaced by the July 2021 fire in Oregon trying to find a new place to live or replace all of their possessions. They don't see the millions of dollars in relief money going to work, trying to make normal li life normal for those residents again. This professional project aims to educate people on the after effects that natural and man-made forest fires have on a society and the economy. Through diligent research and data compilation, this project will take the form of an educational podcast series showing the effects that these fires have on our lives and what state organizations are doing to help. It isn't enough to only pay attention to the problem when it is happening. People need to be able to know the impact that they can still have outside of the wildfire season. 
The research for wildfire wildfires pans across hundreds of dis- different disciplines, from soil composition to tree regeneration to the changing climate. People have been trying to understand and prevent forest fires any way they can. However, it hasn't made too much of an impact. In this past year alone, the state of Oregon saw 1,137 forest fires that burned a combined 224,500 acres per Oregon.gov. There is a stark contrast in the way people think that forest fires should be be prevented. This is because of the lack of commitment between different preventative methods for forest fires. Most times, people often assume that other people will solve their problems, such as firefighters and legislators. But in reality, everybody needs to be involved in stopping the generation and the spread of forest fires. There is too often a focus on recovery and healing rather than systemic change. People always get the most attention in the middle of the fire season and shortly after it ends. But rarely does any effort for off-season changes make headlines. That is precisely why this project is important to me. The research that I have compiled details hundreds of hours worth of data collection, hundreds of hours worth of quality research done to try and find something that will prevent or deal with forest fires in new and effective ways. In all my research, it was hard to find a study that drove into how new methods are currently being applied and how effective they are. This podcast series aims to fill that gap in research by taking by talking to people and and actively changing how the state defends against wildfires. Besides bills passed or speeches made, the systemic change regarding forest fire prevention has been underwhelming, and showing how the system works and educating people on how those those in charge operate in helping their state will show them what needs to be done and hopefully influence them in taking the right steps in voting, in community voice, and in general action towards improving the state. I now want to take you guys through my literature review, which starts with three different sections of research that I've divided up uh, in my initial research for this project. Um, it goes into impacts that wildfires have on societies, uh, current prevention and suppression methods that the state uses, and possible future solutions uh, that we can implement. So the first thing that I came across was impacts on society. And even after many years of destructive fires, people in Oregon still don't consider the concept of a potential risk enough to change the way they live. According to prior research, risk alone is not sufficient enough to encourage wildfire mitigation, per McCaffrey, Tommen, and Stidham, 2012. And that risk information is important to communicate. But outreach efforts with too singular a focus on risk as a means to engage the public are unlikely to be effective. Per, Walter, per Walters, 2017. This is a concrete example of why preventative measures through the people are simply not working. There is a network of land designations throughout the state of Oregon, and while 79% of them exchange connectivity, which means they're susceptible to transmission of wildfire, governing agencies do not do a good job communicating with the owners as a whole, but rather as separate entities fighting different battles, per Ager, 2014. The frustrating part about the allocation of resources is that money is all there really is to try to help these communities where fires have decimated lives. There hasn't been hardly any systemic change brought upon the state, even though money and bills keep getting passed to help people recover and prevent. In places where fires have been the worst, it will be years, if not decades, before they can fully recover, and by then it might be too late, per Hesper 2005. Fires keep getting worse and worse by the year, and as predictions show, out of 561 counties in Northern California and Oregon, 3.9% are at extreme risk present day, which will increase to 17.3% in 
in the next 25 to 30 years. Perliu et al., 2016. The problem remains that people take passive, preventative, and short-term recovery methods to approaching wildfires when in reality, people need to work together and establish a systemic plan that will include everybody, not just certain groups. Now I want to go into kind of the current preventative fire uh, response tactics and prevention tactics that I found in my early research. Current preventative fire methods have traditionally worked in the past because fires were manageable. But as 2020 and 2021 have shown, forest fires are as frightening as ever. Prescribed burning is a very successful way to ensure that forest fires can be contained and have less chance of being spread throughout forest to forest. Unfortunately, many societal factors have limited the use of the prescribed burning methods. The logging and timber industry have been extremely vocal about prescribed burning because it takes away from their revenue and as well as some of the state's revenue from selling the word, per Gabbert 2021. Because of this, Oregon has mainly shifted to aggressive suppression methods of fire containment, which is a highly responsive uh, tactic rather than an initiative method, per Gabbert 2021. The switch to wildfire suppression over wildfire prevention hasn't only negatively impacted people who are affected by fire, but it has limited the monetary resources the state has given to personnel. Land managers, biologists, and other scientists have been left off the payroll in recent years, which is counterintuitive because those are the personnel who help improve the resiliency of the land and thus decrease the chances for wildfire transmission, per Gabber 2021. In addition to the academics being outed with no pay and no jobs, firefighters in the front line have received little to no benefit from the bills passed or money raised. This lack of funds has drastic effects on the firefighters' well-being, their health care, and their overall motivation to put lives on the line for the people of their state, per Gabbert 2021. The main driver behind most of the problems within wildfire suppression and prevention is money. Luckily, Oregon passed a bill uh, that was worth $220 million for the prevention of forest fires. This includes reducing brush by logging committed to the prescribed burning, along with mapping fire risk throughout vulnerable towns to reduce fire risk, per Profita 2021. As said before, Oregon needs to take a preventative and assertive approach to their wildfire situation. And this is a great fit, first step. However, many politicians have come out against the methods that the bill proposes. According to Senator Jeff Golden, if you overlay the extreme risk zones of the, on the wildland-urban interface, and you're in both, you're likely looking to be at some defensible space and building code requirements going forward, per Profita 2021. He goes on to say that the, that the state needs to find the line between private property rights and responding to the threat of wildfire for the whole community. However, as Senator Betsy Johnson stated, if Senator Golden thinks for a minute I'm going to cut down my 200-year-old, 200-foot-tall, old-growth ponderosa pine in my yard, he is mistaken, per Profita 2021. She does not want other people dictating the future of the state of Oregon and how they are going to live on their own property. This point emphasizes how the people of Oregon need to put aside their selfish desires and think about what, what is best for the well-being of the people in the community and their livelihoods. These personal property issues come in many forms, such as materials that fences are made of, types of grass planted around the house, and the materials used to make the house in the first place. Unfortunately, when many fire or many Oregon houses were built, people were not taking into consideration the account of the potential for disastrous wildfires. Something as simple as roofing material has a dramatic effect on the ignitability of a home during wildfire. 
pro Brankert Smith 2020. Now legislators understand that the people of Oregon can be stubborn, but it could be as easy as switching your roofing material to metal, tire, tile, or even asphalt shingles, per Bankert Smith 2020. So this leads me into the future feasible solutions that I found in my early research. The future of the fire suppression and prevention is uncertain, but not without feasible solutions proposed by academics and lawmakers alike. Unfortunately, many fire-tolerant cover types have been harvested because they contain the largest and oldest high-grade trees for high-grade logging, per Hesburgh 2005. This often results in those fire-tolerant trees being replaced by fire-intolerant cover types such as Douglas fir, grand fir, and white fir, per Hesburgh 2005. Again, this is an unfortunate example of how commercial greed is hindering the ability to come together as a state and make the right decisions regarding forest fire prevention. Hesperigatel. Designing different networks of fuel breaks throughout these newly uh, dried forests will give people the advantage of having multiple small manageable pieces of land to handle instead of one large fire-prone landscape. This plan will take valiant efforts from legislators to ignore the demands of the capitalist logging companies and the politicians who profit from it. While most wildfire research has to deal with why the efforts are so bad, it is important to understand how they both affect the people and the state as a whole. They can take a toll on everyone, from citizens to legislators and first responders. Unfortunately, many people have neglected the severe impact that the wildfires have brought upon their state because only a select few have been affected at the extreme level. If people narrowly escape or happen to not get touched by the fire, then there is only sympathy to be had instead of proactive measures. The sheer inability to cohesively agree on a plan for the last decade has shown detrimental effects to the community. The money needs to be delegated correctly, and priorities need to be set straight. That is what this research is trying to show. Throughout the podcast, the money will be followed, which will show where the focuses are and show where the focuses need to be. Wildfires are not an easy phenomenon to stop. In fact, it is fairly likely that we will never be able to stop them. However, the people in power need to do everything they can to possibly try. The future, while uncertain, is not without trial. There are bills being passed and communities being restored every day. Scientists are constantly brainstorming new and innovative ways to prevent forest fires. However, they can't satisfy everyone. Whether the plans anger the capitalist industries of logging or anger the stubborn homeowners who refuse to change, someone will be angry. This podcast aims to educate both people on why coming together to solve this problem is a better alternative than solving the problem as individuals. Now to go on to my project statement. The research found so far has indicated many different aspects of wildfire and how they have affected society for years. In addition, there, have been, there has been ample research done on the current response tactics and future feasible solutions. However, much of the research, while not being old in terms of time, is old in terms of the, the rapid development of wildfires in Oregon. The 2017 wildfire season completely reshaped how the state handles wildfire in every aspect of society. That involves state to the public communication, defense tactics, suppression tactics, and the planning and prevention of wildfires as a whole. That season showed both the state and the public that even though you might not live in a wildfire hazard zone, you could be affected no matter what. Throughout this project, interviews will be conducted while members throughout the state who can monitorize the research about how wildfires are handled on the state level, the public level, and the ground throughout the wildfire high-risk areas. Now for my approach. 
This professional project will take the form of a podcast, as I've said before, and through research and networking, we'll be able to talk to different different people and different organizations to see what they have to say about how wildfire is being both prevented and defended. In addition, it will follow the legislation direction in terms of how money is being spent and where it is being spent. The legislation podcast of this series will include interviews with public information officers, nonprofit leaders, and more. This series will be five episodes in length, with each episode ranging from 30 minutes to an hour. As mentioned in previous sections, money is the main driver in how the state can successfully combat the forest fires that happen each year. However, where the money goes and how the money is spent is decided by people, and people almost always have their own agendas. I'm looking to get to the bottom of it. Whether people don't think certain towns deserve the money or whether or not people don't think a specific course of action is right, everyone has their own needs. One of the biggest red flags is the logging industry. So if someone is involved in the logging industry and they have a say on how money is being spent in Oregon to combat wildfires, there is a conflict of interest. This podcast series is meant to show how people are affected by emotional reliability, but it also aims to show how Oregon can systematically change their ways and how they deal with nature in their state. When lives and livelihoods are on the line, it must remain of the utmost importance to see unbiased in the ways that they decide to help. The specifics of, these, of, of this podcast are as follows. The microphone being used is a traditional podcast microphone, the blue microphone yet a USB. In addition, there will be online interviews conducted because of the recent restrictions due to COVID-19. Each podcast episode will be recorded on Iris. Iris is a new online recording software built specifically for online interviews. Each audio track is, separ is separately monitored by the software, which allows for seamless editing and the highest possible quality. This episode is definitely going to be a shorter one. Um, we're only about at 20 minutes of runtime, and uh, I just wanted to give you guys, the listeners, a background of myself as well as the project and the research that I've done to give you guys context for the following interviews that are going to commence in the next few episodes. I think that's important because you'll be able to understand the questions I'm asking, the answers they're giving, and an overall direction of where I want this project to go. So with that, I want to say thank you for listening to episode one of Burning Away Time. I look forward to seeing you for episode two, where we have an awesome interview with Jim Gersbatch a member at the uh, Oregon Department of Forestry who gives great insight on the current state of what they're up to as an organization and how they currently are working to both prevent and defend against forest fires. Thank you for listening.